On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to look at somebody who says there's five good reasons not to believe in God. Get that now. Five good reasons not to believe in God. We think he's wrong about that, and we're going to try to show why. He's terribly wrong, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday september 24th 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be back with you tonight yeah we missed you last week you yeah. were under the weather and uh, we're glad you're feeling better glad to be back and kyle glad to be back with you as yeah. well it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. And we're glad that you're listening tonight, uh, and you can help the program be better if you'd give us a call at 877-381-4567, or you would email us at questions at collegeview.com, or sign in the chat room with other listeners and share your comments there. We look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Yeah. Uh, we always remind people we, we'd like to help us get the word out about the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, we can send you a bumper sticker to put on your car. Send us your email. Or send us your snail mail address by email to collegeview.com, uh, questions at collegeview.com, and and we'll get a bumper sticker in the mail to you. But we'd also like you to like us on Facebook and tell your friends and spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we're glad you're here tonight. Well, you you sent out a quite disturbing uh, blog post earlier today. Well, it wasn't from me. It wasn't, know, it wasn't, it wasn't from you. my blog yeah, post, I but I found this guy. And if I understand uh, the uh, website suffixes, I think this guy is in New Zealand. Okay. Isn't, isn't dot .za? Uh, I don't know. Probably well, maybe, New Zealand. Maybe. I think that's New Zealand. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so, someplace overseas this guy is. Uh, but but he, he has a, a blog post called The Daily Maverick, and he had an entry. It's not a brand-new entry, but I found this entry, The Five Best Reasons Not to Believe in God. Uh, well, as I read it, uh, uh, I'm just kind of astounded at the, the very weak arguments the fella is making, and we can answer all of that. Yeah. Uh, and so we want to do that tonight. But it's more than just answering this blog poster, Jacob. It's that we need to be absolutely confident in our faith, and we need to really instill that confidence in our young people. Absolutely, We've heard of some young people. In fact, it seems like I don't think it's an overwhelming trend among our brethren, but it is happening among our own brethren that some of the children are, are, are being lost to atheism. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's no reason for that. Uh, have people doubted the existence of God? Yes, of course. And it's, it's, it's historic. It's been around for a long time. If, if you were to come along today and say, oh, I wonder about that. You wouldn't be the first one who ever wondered. And people have been searching out the answers, and the answers have been abundantly clear for centuries uh, about God. And, and, and so, you, you know, there's no reason to have a lack of faith about the existence of God. You know, this guy is very transparent, and uh, he, he makes it uh, very clear that what he's trying to do is he's trying to plant a seed of doubt in uh, the readers. He closes his article, his blog, by saying, uh, the journey into escaping the God idea and rejecting a religion can be a, wrong, a long one. However, it starts with a seed of doubt. Perhaps these five arguments will plant that small seed for some reading this piece. He's very transparent. He's trying to, to, to sow that seed of doubt. And he's not the only one. Lots of people in our society are going to do that, and we need to have our children, uh, and we need to be prepared to handle those who are trying to instill that seed of doubt. Yeah, they're, they're going to try to sow that seed out. Again, that's not a new thing. That's been around forever. Doubters, skeptics, atheists, agnostics, deniers have been around forever. Yeah. Uh, and so this is not new. And and that's one of the messages I'd want to convey to our young people is if if someone presents something to you that you've never heard of before, don't be blown away by that. That's not a new argument. All the arguments have been out there forever. Ask somebody, get some help, but don't dwell on those things without asking for the help. It's, it's the, the answers 
to all of these challenges are easily available. All right. Um, and certainly uh, it, it is uh, troubling when we hear folks who have allowed those seeds of doubt to germinate and to grow into into unbelief. Uh, but certainly, as you mentioned, the answers are out there. You, you talked about this guy's agenda who wrote this blog. This guy's name, by the way, is um, Jared Sinman, C-I-N-M-A-N, Jared Sinman. No, not S-I-N-M-A-N, <laughs> which no doubt he is. But no, you you read what he said in, in his closing about wanting to sow a seed of doubt. But in his introduction to his blog, blog, he said, I'm going to be up front. My hope and goal is that the belief in God and the religions that underpin it are wiped from the face of the earth. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no doubt what he's trying to achieve. And, he's, and he's, as he said, he's up front about it. That's fine. Yep. But, but he presents a very weak case, and we're going to try to answer it. So earlier today to our update list, I sent out the link to that blog if anybody cared to read it. It's not that long. I printed it off here, and I think it's about two a page. Pages. Yeah, yeah, two pages. Two, well, two pages. Won't yeah. hurt you too bad to read. Well, uh, than make you mad. Yeah, might my, my raise your blood pressure a little bit. Uh, but to our update list, I sent out the link to the blog and the main points that he's making that we're going to try to address in our program tonight. Uh, if you're not getting our update, please get on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we'll do that. So here's he, he's got five reasons. He says these are the five best reasons not to believe in God. Number one, there's no evidence. Number two, it's illogical. Number three... When you consider the preponderance of suffering in the world, it argues, he says, against God. Number four, we don't need him. Number five, life is better without him. Unbelievable. 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 Well, and I guess 9604 in the chat room says, the article did seem to be quite lacking, pretty low fruit, if you will. seems many atheists have moved the discussion to more advanced arguments and discussions dealing more with epistemology. Epistemology. I'm going to have to look up that word. Yeah, I've seen it. Somebody, I can't remember yeah, what it means. Somebody somebody, give us the definition of epistemology. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. We're not, I'm drawing a blank on its meaning. Give, yeah. give us the, the uh, when, when they're dealing with epistemology, what are, they, what are the atheists trying to do? Brian says ZA is South Africa. South Africa. Okay. I was wrong, Brian. You're right. I think that Somewhere is. Somewhere south of the equator, but yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, uh, so his first argument and we're going to just try to go through the list and and deal with the argument. The first argument is he says that there are no there is no evidence. And I'm going to read I'm going to read it's not long. He says most things which we accept we accept on the basis of proof. That proof is not always rock solid. Some of it is based on spurious media claims for instance. But there is a standard to which we hold most of our beliefs. Things that don't meet that standard, the tooth fairy let's say. We discard as not impossible, but extremely unlikely. Now, just, just by the way, it, we're talking about God, and he's equating it with the tooth fairy. That's a common, don't, don't, yeah. Don't, don't yeah. miss that. You, don't you, miss you, that little dig there. Yeah, right. He says, God, however, many people accept with no proof at all. Belief in God is a product of upbringing, societal and cultural convention, a desire for comfort and intellectual laziness. There's no evidence that God exists. You may have had some kind of personal experience, what we call anecdotal evidence, that has convinced you personally that he's out there. But most people would concede that that kind of evidence is not evidence at all. It can't be repeated under test conditions, and there are other possible explanations for what may have happened. Fact, no one has ever presented one iota of persuasive evidence that there is a God. That is that, not a fact. That's a, that last statement is completely wrong. That is fictitious. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so he says really, now here, here I think he is really lacking in evidentiary considerations when he when he implies that the only evidence that there is is evidence that can be repeated and observed under test conditions that's not the only kind of evidence there is do you believe that john wilkes booth assassinated abraham lincoln well yeah and there's considerable evidence that he did we can't repeat it repeatable. and observe it. And so he's made he's made a, a, a quite a false statement there when he suggests that in order to prove God, you would have to be able to present repeatable, observable evidence in a, in a laboratory type setting. And that is not the only kind of evidence. There is. Speaking of which, he would hold to the theory of evolution, which has no such evidence. Yeah, that'd be interesting that this guy 
would almost certainly believe in evolution. Has to, in fact, like if the, he doesn't believe in God. fairy and evolution. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, Eric has helped us with the term epistemology, the theory of knowledge, investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. And, and, and guest 9604, who threw that word out on us, says it's, it's the study of how we know what we think we know. It's the study of methods used to reach our held conditions. Yeah. Hey, and 9604, you throw any more big words in the chat room, we're kicking you out. <laughs> yeah, we have control over that <laughs> yeah, chat room. Don't hurt our head tonight. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, guest 8626 says, being raised in an atheist home, uh, atheistic home, and studying evolutionary biology in college, there is hope for atheists to read and understand and obey. Good. Thank you, 8626. He, so he was raised that way, but he's come to or be she, a, he or she, he yeah. or she, raised that way, come to be a believer. We'd we'll love right. to hear more about that 826 if you don't yeah. mind sharing some of, uh, of how you came to. Yeah, well, in fact, we might, we might like to work out an interview with you. Absolutely. Be in touch with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Okay, so what about this, that, that there, there's no evidence for the existence of God? I broke out some old, some old charts that I had made back uh, a, a long time ago. And again, I want to stress the idea, this argument, these are not new arguments. They're absolutely not new arguments. Yeah. They've been around forever. Yeah. So what is the evidence that there is a God? It's not repeatable evidence. It's not the kind of, it's, it's, it's not empirical. That would be called empirical evidence, the kind of evidence you can repeat. In other words, if, if you didn't believe that water vaporizes at 212 degrees Fahrenheit, I could take you in a lab and I could, I could repeat that procedure as many times as it took to finally get you convinced that that will actually happen. Yeah, yeah. That's empirical evidence. Yeah. This kind of evidence that we're talking about is, I think, in legal terms, called prima, fa- prima facie evidence. It's the kind of evidence that you put all the, the various pieces together to lead to a conclusion. They're not repeatable. For instance, if we had, if we had Kyle, uh, there had been a murder committed, and we think that Kyle is the guy who pulled the trigger. Now, we obviously can't reconduct the murder the actual murder itself but we have some evidence we have a gun uh and and we've been able to test the gun and prove that the gun that we have is the gun that shot the bullet that killed the man who died Mm -hmm. we 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 also know that this gun is registered to kyle and we furthermore have Kyle's fingerprints all over the gun and nobody else's. Uh-huh. And we have a guy who heard Kyle and the murder victim. We heard Kyle and that guy arguing, and Kyle actually said, I'm going to kill you. Kyle's not looking good. Yes, I'm Man, Kyle. I guess, you're, getting, you're going uh, to the My goose is cooked. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna throw you, as they say around here, we're going to throw you under the jail. We can't, we can't reproduce the event. But we got enough evidence to, to convince any jury to send Kyle to the electric chair. Yeah. You know, so uh, there's different kinds of evidence. All right. So what is our evidence for God? Well, the first argument we make is that every effect demands a cause. In other words, if something is, something must have caused it to be as it is. Mm-hmm. Every effect demands an adequate cause. Well, here we are on planet Earth in the physical universe. I mean, this is real. I mean, it's here. Something had, there has to be some explanation for its cause. What caused it to be here? Well, first, we could argue that the universe is eternal. Second, but but even scientists say it's not eternal. They do, absolutely. I mean, you you ever hear them try to date the Big Bang? When did the universe start in the Big Bang? Well, there's a date. There's, uh, they, it's, it's crazy, but they'll say something like 20 billion years ago. Well, and they also tell you that uh, the world cannot continue as it is, that it's at, at some point, and they can, and they, they probably take some calculations of that, but they know that things are winding down. Yeah, so it's not, it's not eternal. They know right. They, right. That we know our universe is not eternal. A second alternative is the, the universe created itself. Well, nothing comes from nothing. Nothing creates itself. 
I mean, that's a basic law of science, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if it's not eternal, it didn't create itself, then, it, then the universe had to have been created by some force outside of itself and superior to it. Mm-hmm. And we believe that uncaused first cause is God. He is the cause. There's no other explanation, really. The universe had to have been created by some force outside of it. Yep. Uh, Hebrews 3, verse 4 says, Every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Uh, Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 18, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and, un, uh, excuse me, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Notice, who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, uh, the, the scriptures give us the answer that God is that uncaused first cause. Yep. But that's why we know there must be. Now, we wouldn't know the identity of this supreme being. We wouldn't know the identity of this superior power unless he revealed himself to us, which thankfully he has. But we would know, we would have to know that there is some such force. Yeah. Just by virtue of the fact that we are here. That doesn't argue for the God of the Bible. It just argues that there is a a being greater than us and greater than this world. Exactly right. Okay. Exactly right. Uh, Then, of course, the the follow-up argument to that is design demands a designer. We are here, but we're not only just here. The entire universe and, uh, and our unique planet Earth in particular Show incredible signs of design. Design demands a designer. If you see something, I mean, again, we're going to talk about logic here in a minute. And this guy says we're being illogical. But logic says when you see something that has an obvious design to, for instance, this microphone holder here, somebody used some ingenuity, some thought processes, designed this thing. Actually, it's made to sort of float so that when, when I bang around on it accidentally, it doesn't pick up a lot of noise. Yeah. Somebody thought through that and designed that isolation hanger for that microphone. Yeah. We all think that way. We wouldn't think otherwise. We wouldn't yeah. think that just appeared uh, on its own in that finished fashion. And so the, all the, uh, the stars and the planets, our, our human bodies, uh, all show evidence of design. Design demands a designer. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So there must be an adequate cause. Design demands a designer. Another argument that we make that I think is really a good argument is man's moral nature implies something about a creator. Why do we do the, you know, you remember back years ago, Jacob, when we interviewed Dan Barker on the virtual Bible study? He's a well-known atheist. Yep. Uh, and I actually posed that question to him. Why do we take care of our old people? Why do we take care of our sick people? Why, when a baby is born that has some birth defect or something, why do we work tirelessly to try and save that baby? What's the value? Why do we have a, why do, why do you think I should not take what is yours? Why do you think I shouldn't kill you? We have, an, we have a moral nature. Man has a moral nature now. It's, it's corrupted in a lot of people in many ways. But still, you, if you went to a, a prison and interviewed the inmates, they'd still be demanding their rights, their yep. human rights. Yep. Yep. Uh, where did that moral – animals don't have that. Yep. Uh, animals let their old ones die and maybe eat them when they die. Yep. How come humans are different than that? Man's moral nature. Romans 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things that are contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which, note, show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. There's a law written in the heart. The moral nature of man is an argument for a divine creator. And then, of course, and we could argue this, and there'd probably be a lot of quibbles about it, but we could argue about man's inclination to worship. You know, why does why has man, among all the beasts of, uh, and all the creatures on the earth, why has man 
decided to worship. Now, there's all kinds of worship, and there's all kinds of corrupted worship, but you can go to every every society and civilization of history, and they worshiped something. Why does man intend to worship? Man's worshiping nature is an argument for a god. So those are some of the, the, the explanations we would offer, Jacob. And we are out of time. Let's grab a break and, and come back and get our emailers on that. We've got our emails, and we get your thoughts in the chat room as well. Then we go on. Number two, he says, is illogical. Well, I think you've laid out some reasons why it's not illogical, and we'll continue to look at that on the other side. But are these the best reasons not to believe in God? If so, making belief in God look really like a good option. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get this, uh, get a break, and then we'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can't explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Gold is tested by fire. Man is tested by gold. He is happy whose circumstances suit his temper, but he is more excellent who can suit his temper to any circumstances. Those who know God will be humble, and those who know themselves cannot be proud. Man, wish I'd said that. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight as we look at the blog post that was shared earlier today about the five best reasons not to believe in God. And number one certainly is not a good reason. There is Ample evidence. And to that uh, point, Chris in Georgia. We haven't heard from Chris in a long time. Hey, Chris. Thanks for, for emailing. Glad that you're glad to hear from you, Chris. Hope everything's okay down there. He says there is plenty of evidence if he opens his mind and looks around. Years ago, I wondered if I only believed because I was taught my, by my mother that there was a God and because of living in the Bible Belt. I decided I would seek. I did not know if there were a God, and if there was, did he want to be worshipped and served? I read many atheist books and articles and also many books on apologetics. I confess I truly hoped I would come to the conclusion there is no God so I could live any way I wanted. In the end, I am more convinced than ever there is a God. Many proofs, but the one evidence that sealed it for me was the excellent evidence we have for the resurrection. Good, Thank you, Chris. Really good. Yeah, and we didn't even mention that. And, 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 of course, that would be an argument that this guy might very well reject. But <clears throat> there is overwhelming evidence that jesus rose from the grave yeah uh, we've talked about that in past programs and no doubt will in the future and really it's the focal point the center point of the whole bible if 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 the resurrection happened then you don't even have to ask about everything else the bible mentions yeah everything else the bible mentions has got to be true yes and of course the other side of that coin is if the resurrection didn't happen then just throw your bibles away because they're no good anyway but the evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming. Kent's in Georgia, a little bit farther north than Chris, and he signed in tonight and says, the assertion that there is no evidence for the existence of God is false. Life sciences give proof of the existence of God as creator by the complexities of DNA. Life science has discovered 100 trillion cells in each of our bodies. If all the DNA in the human body were removed and placed end to end, it would stretch from here to the moon more than 500,000 times. In book form, that information would fill the Grand Canyon almost 100 times. If one set of DNA from every person who ever lived were placed into a pile, the final pile would weigh less than an aspirin. When one considers the effect of the universe, including all forms of life, such would could not be an accident. There must be a divine cause. Uh, such gives evidence of the cosmological argument. When we consider the aspects of the complexity of design of the universe and the human body, such gives divine evidence of the teleological argument. When we consider the fact that even atheists grant that the murder of six million Jews during World War II was ethically wrong, such an argument cannot be based on the violation of civil law due to the fact that German civil law did not oppose such. All arguments based upon ethical wrong in such cases are contingent upon a higher moral law. The appeal to a higher moral law necessitates a higher moral law giver. 
That higher moral lawgiver is God. Thank you, Kent, for your comments. Yeah. Yeah. And Dwight in Iowa, uh, it's just Dwight tonight. He says his wife Michelle is not feeling well tonight. So get well just, soon, get Michelle. Well, Michelle. Uh, he references Romans one twenty that I read earlier, that uh, the the invisible attributes of God are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even as eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. He says we have nature itself as proof. The word of God is proof if one reads it and sees how God set all things in order. Yeah. To, to the idea of this moral code embedded in our very nature, uh, Eric in California in the chat room. Brian in California. I mean, yeah, Brian. He does not want Eric to get credit. Oh, that. that's right. They're brothers, and he wouldn't want his brother to yeah. get credit. So Brian in California uh, uh, mentions Ecclesiastes 3.11 that speaks about uh, God writing uh, is setting eternity in the heart of man. That's an interesting expression. Might be, uh, Brian, I'd have to do a little more look on that, but I think that's an interesting uh, uh, verse to consider, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Thank you, Brian, for that. All right. We've got to hurry on. To the next. Well, let's cover this next one real fast, Jacob, before yep. our bottom-of-the-hour break. He says it's illogical to believe in God. He says in the absence of evidence, some people try to argue that there must be a God because nothing else makes sense. This not making sense ranges from the naive, I just feel there must be a bigger purpose of life, to the sophisticated arguments presented by theologians, philosophers, and apologists. I cannot present and knock down every instance of these arguments here. However, I can say this. The idea that one can reason God into existence is a failed project. The best anyone has been able to do is show that God could be an explanation for how the universe got here and could be the best available explanation. I wouldn't accept either of these, but even if I did, they do not constitute a conclusive logical position. If you're comfortable with a maybe, then you're welcome to it. But the existence of God has not been logically proven by anyone ever. Well, we just went through that. We just went through the logical arguments that there must be a God. Now, again, I think this guy's weakness is we we actually said these arguments don't necessarily argue for the God of the Bible. You know, the the, the existence of the the creation, of God. Yeah. the existence of the universe, the existence of design and the physical creation. That doesn't necessarily argue for the God we believe in, the God of the Bible, but it argues that there has to be such a power. Then, then now we can go to arguments for the inspiration of the Scripture uh, uh, to prove that the God described in the Bible is the God who did all these things. Uh, that's that's a follow up argument, but it can be, and it's not a hard argument. It's not a hard argument, but initially, it's logical to believe that some superior force both created and designed. All that exists in the universe. That's logical. It's illogical. In fact, it's demonstrably false to, to argue otherwise. All right. Here's what Chris says. He says, that's funny but because I came to this conclusion it is not illogical to believe in God. It is his very it is very illogical to believe what they do. In the beginning, there was nothing. Suddenly a, suddenly, a tiny microscopic thing appeared from nothing. This tiny thing was very dense and hot and exploded to make this huge, vast universe. From this explosion, everything swirled, cooled, and formed galaxies, stars, and planets. Then one day, on our planet, a non-living thing suddenly came alive, survived, reproduced, created multiple, or changed multiple times into multiple things, and made plants, animals, and humans. I'm sorry. I just don't have enough faith to believe Really that. good, Chris. And, and you know, we have, we have said before, and I think it is a true observation, it actually takes more faith to believe what Chris just outlined there that, that an atheist has to believe. Yeah. An atheist has to believe all that Chris just outlined, and it takes a, a much greater leap of faith than, than, than it does to believe in God. To quote this guy again, I mean, he's just, it just shows the fallacy of his reasoning. He says, if you're comfortable with a maybe, then you're welcome to it. Well, how about a maybe on that one, that all the things that Chris mentioned could have happened? Yeah. Uh, and he's ridiculing the idea that you would believe in God as that being some kind of far-fetched uh, thing that beyond the, beyond the pale to think about. Yeah. All right. Um, Here's Kent. He says, affirming the existence of God is not opposed to logic, such as demanded by logic. Consider this valid argument. Number one, humanity exists by either creation or evolution. These are the only two possibilities. Number two. The essence of creation implies the existence of God. Number three, evolution implies that humanity was either born of animal life or else was transformed from animal life. Number four, there's no observable knowledge that humanity was born from animal life. Number five, there's no observable knowledge that uh, humanity was transformed from human life. Number six, from animal life. From animal life. Number six, humanity was not born 
neither transformed from animal life, conjunction of uh, propositions four and five. Number seven, humanity therefore does not exist from birth or transformation from animal life, deduced by De Morgan's theorem from proposition six. Uh, number eight. Now, by the way, Kent's a student of logic, and he's referencing a logical progression there following the laws of logic. Yep. Okay. okay. Number eight, evolution is therefore false. Propositions three and seven. Modus Tolan's argument. He's about to get kicked out. Too, if he keeps it up. <laughs> Number nine, creation is therefore true. Propositions one and eight, a disjunctive syllogism. And number 10, therefore God exists. Propositions two and nine, modus ponus argument. Now, Kent's obviously doing that on purpose in response to this guy who just throws out this blind accusation that we're being illogical. Kent, who is a serious student of logical uh, theory yep. and progression, yep. Has, has he's done that on purpose to show that we we draw these conclusions based upon the principles of logic. Right. Yep. Thank you, Kent, for that. And here's what Dwight says. It may actually be illogical to some if they don't open the Bible and study it. Things become clearer the more you study. In Acts chapter 8, verses 30 and 31, says uh, Philip so ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides him? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So even the eunuch needed guidance and teaching because he did not understand. Yeah. And to this point that Dwight makes, I would just add, now, that's that almost second step we were talking about, proving that the that the supreme force that created the universe is the God described in the Bible. Yeah. That, that's where we would go to the Bible. But even a step back that we've been trying to illustrate is that even if you didn't have a Bible, you would know there has to be a God. And that's really the argument of Romans 1. I mean, you just look around at what's created. You know there must be such a being. All right. Two of the, five, uh, the first two of the five best arguments against the existence of God really aren't that good. Number three, when we get back from the break... This is one that bothers a lot of people, the, all the suffering in the world. The, he calls it the preponderance of suffering. Lot, there's a lot of suffering, a lot of innocent suffering, a lot of, lot of things. So does you that, those babies does the fact that, that there's suffering in the world, does that argue against God? All right. What do you think? Share your comments in the chat room. We're going to get this week's bullet point and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Many people have the opinion that we all should be tolerant of the religious views of everyone else. In fact, about the only thing that receives much criticism these days is the intolerance of some of us who argue against certain religious beliefs. We're frequently viewed as being fanatics and mean-spirited bigots. They tell us to be less judgmental and learn to accept all forms of religious expression as being equally good and beneficial. All of this stems from an apparent failure to distinguish between different forms of tolerance. There are at least three different kinds. First of all, there's legal tolerance. This is the recognition that everyone has a legal right to believe and practice whatever he or she feels is best and right. Second is social tolerance. This is the notion that everyone ought to be treated with dignity and respect, regardless of their particular religious convictions. But third is what we would call uncritical tolerance. This is the idea that no one ought to ever make a judgment relative to what others believe religiously. It suggests that it is not possible to determine what is right or true and that all religious beliefs and practices are therefore equally good. We agree that all Christians are obligated by the word of God to honor the first two forms of tolerance. That is to say, we would fiercely defend the legal right of every person to make their own decisions in matters of religion. And furthermore, we understand that the Lord has taught us to treat everyone with honor and dignity. 1 Peter 2 verse 17. To do otherwise would put us in direct violation of his will. It is the third idea of uncritical tolerance that is not found in the scriptures instead we are commanded to compare what people teach and believe with what the bible says first john 4 verses 1 and 2 galatians 1 verses 8 and 9 matthew 7 verses 15 through 20 we are to quote earnestly contend for the faith jude verse 3 in this regard there is no room for tolerance we must be faithful to god and his word second john verses 9 through 11 that's this week's bullet point think about it I'm Micah, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. See, I told you we'd be back. The Virtual Bible Study continues. We're back on the program. Right? This program is brought to you by the College of Church in Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. Look forward to uh, hearing from you. If you've got any questions or comments, email us anytime, questions at collegeview.com. 
We'd love to hear from you at any time. Kyle, you got your YouTube feed out there. We need to remind our listeners about that because there are some really good videos that uh, would be beneficial to our listeners. Yeah, the message right. is good, but the the production quality is quite excellent. I have to give good. Kyle the credit yeah. for that. Yeah, Way to go, looking Kyle. pretty good. Yeah, all right. A lot of resource out there at collegeu.com and at thevirtualbiblestudy.com and at the associated YouTube channels that go with each of those. And the associated podcast feed if you haven't yeah, signed up for that. Exactly. Again, right. a lot of, there's a lot of content out there. All right. All right. So the third argument. Now, again, if you're just joining us, we're reviewing a blog by a guy by the name of Jared Sinman, who's in South Africa, we understand who has presented a blog, The Five Best Reasons to Stop Believing in God. Mm-hmm. We've already dealt with the first two. The third argument he makes, again, not a new argument. We, I, I, maybe I'm beating this horse too hard, but I want people to understand, I especially want our young people to understand, this is not new. This guy has not come up with new arguments. These arguments have been around forever. You know, And anybody who comes along and thinks they've discovered something that hasn't been thought of before along these lines... It's just, they're just not well read. I mean, and they're arrogant. And they're arrogant, yeah. Right, this guy is just seething with arrogance. Yeah. yeah. So, But his third argument is that there's a lot of suffering. He said in a recent interview, the British comedian Stephen Fry delivered a vicious, scathing attack on the Judeo-Christian God when asked what he would say if it turned out after he died that God did, in fact, exist. He called this God a maniac pointing to the large amount of unnecessary suffering in the world, which he, by definition, created and allows. The existence of suffering is an impossible problem for believers in all good, caring... Oh, the the, the, the existence of suffering is an impossible problem for believers who believe in an all-good, caring God. How do they solve this? Even if they use the wiggle room to argue that without some suffering there could be no charity or that people who do wrong are punished, they cannot account for the suffering of innocent children and animals or worse, the devout believers in their faith. What kind of God, we may ask, and Fry does more colorfully, has created a world which children die in floods, starve to death, perish in agony from TB and malaria? What kind of God allows people to worship and adore him to be murdered, raped, tortured, and come to countless other hideous ends? This does not preclude the existence of any God, of course. God might be, as Fry has it, a maniac. He may be a vicious, sadistic God, or like the Greeks and Romans before us, he may be a pantheon of narcissistic narcissistic gods who have no interest in looking out for us. But a God who was benevolent and loving, as we're told the Christian God is, would never create the world we live in. Believing in him requires either shuttering yourself off from the carnage all around you or craftily, a crafty... Excuse me, crafting. Or crafting, frankly, ridiculous excuses like God works in mysterious ways. All right. So even he admits that it doesn't this this argument doesn't mean there isn't a God. Uh, and uh, because he admits it, there could it, God could want it this way. Yeah, we understand that this is a problem and, and it's it's a problem for a lot of sincere people. And it, it, this guy is extremely cynical but it, uh, there's a lot of genuine, sincere, concerned people who are troubled by the existence of suffering in the world. And so I think that's something we dealt with. And by the way, we have dealt with that. If you check the archives of the Virtual Bible Study, we've had whole programs on dealing with the, the existence of God and human suffering. But just to, to to quickly go through an answer to that, the Bible actually explains where human suffering comes from. Lots of uh, lots of the suffering in the world comes as a consequence of sin entering the world, the first sin committed by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Because we know when God had things exactly like he wanted it, at the end of the creation week in Genesis 1, 1 verse 31, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Yeah. <clears throat> but after man sinned, just let me remind you of the curse put upon man after the sin. Genesis 3:16, beginning unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. Unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shalt bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, and for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So suffering and death, 
the consequence of sin entering the world. Not the way God wanted it, but because a conscious choice was made that that produced consequences. That's we understand the logic of that, by the way. If I if I as a person uh, decide to be a drug addict, uh, uh, and and in particular, if a woman who's to bear a child is is, is addicted to drugs, then she's going to pass on complications of that to her unborn child, who will mm-hmm. be born with all kinds of complications. Right. There, but we know why that happened. It's because the woman made a choice, made a bad choice. And evil consequences followed it, and that's the, and that's the, the, another reason. Uh, there's a lot of suffering in the world because people make a lot of bad choices. Proverbs thirteen verse fifteen says, "The way of the transgressor is hard," and that's a, a very true statement. Sometimes suffering happens because we make our own bad choices. Sometimes we suffer because of, the, of other people's bad choices. When we leave here tonight to drive home. Let's say I get hit by a drunk driver on the highway. Not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. But I may die or end, end up paralyzed or suffer horrible injuries. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. But the other guy did. The other guy made bad, made bad choices. And the fact, and so what we're really saying is the fact that God created us as beings of choice, therefore opened the door to bad choices, going all the way back to Adam, but certainly including my own bad choices and the bad choices of other people who live around me. And and those bad choices provoke suffering. But it, it, it relates not to the fact that God is a bad God, but that he created us not like mindless robots, but like thinking beings who, who gave the freedom of choice. Yep. Free moral agency, we call it. Uh, so, again... Bad choices produce a lot of the suffering in the world, uh, and 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 although it 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 is it, it's a real problem, no doubt about that. Uh, we understand that it it actually, and this guy is rejecting this argument, but there actually can be an upside to suffering because it helps keep us focused on what really is most important, and that is the idea that there's an eternity beyond. This life is not the be-all and end-all. If this life was the be-all and end-all, then suffering would be almost an incomprehensible consequence. I mean, what would what would be the purpose of it? But when we, when we view it in the eternal picture, it, 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 it can be comprehended. All right, let's see what our listeners said about this. Chris said... This is an old and tired argument. Too many ways to debunk this argument, but in a nutshell, God does not cause or create suffering. Suffering is the result of sin. He is viewing all this suffering through the narrow lens of the brief time we are here on earth, not viewing through the lens of eternity. If I suffer and live 80 years, this is nothing compared to eternity with God. Exactly. All right. Very good, Chris. I can tell Chris has thought about these things a lot. Yeah, Chris, thank you for signing in with that tonight. Here's what Kent says. Kent says, when one considers the preponderance of suffering, such does not disprove the existence of God, such proves the existence of God. Uh, in order, Number one, in order for God to exist, he must exist upon the basis of his love. Number two, in order for him to properly love his creation in general and humanity in particular, he must permit humanity to exercise freedom of choice or that of free will. Number three, the existence of free will can and does produce, in certain cases, the element of suffering through wrong choices being made. Number four, humanity and the exercise of free will oftentimes makes wrong choices. Number five, such wrong choices produce suffering. Number six, therefore, the suffering, therefore, suffering the consequences of wrong choices proves the existence of God. In other words, Kent says you set up the way that uh, God allowed it to be set up. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, thank so you. I, and I think that's the way that we got to approach it. That, there's a whole lot more to be said about the problem of human suffering. We know, again, as we said, this blogger that we're considering tonight, very cynical guy, but honest-hearted, sincere people have been really troubled about the problem of human suffering. We know that's the case. It's a very deep subject. A lot more could be said about it, needs to be said about it. We have done whole programs on it in the past, and if you want to look at that in our archives, we'd encourage you to do that. But it does not argue against the true God of heaven. In, first, in, in, in short, read the first three chapters of Genesis, yeah. and it tells you why suffering's here yeah. and how God really intended the world to be before the devil and man, in conjunction, messed it up. Exactly. Right. All right. Uh, and, and one thing we ought to point out, just for our listeners, 
the the suffering and problems that we have as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, they're, they're passed on throughout humanity. The guilt of their sin is not. Exactly. And we need to that needs to be clear. A lot of people yeah. a lot of people combine the two. Well, there's suffering and death and stuff in the world. So we inherit. So everybody we've, has sin. We've inherited. It's not sin. true. Those we've two in, are not. They're we've not, inherited the consequence of Adam's sin yeah. in the physical yeah. world, right? But not in the spiritual world, right? That's right. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, two more things to talk about. And boy, the arrogance here really is stifling. Yeah. What are, the two things we're going to look at. we don't need him, and life is better without him. Oof. Yeah, boy. Stay tuned for that. We're going to go to the top of the hour right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey found that 43% of American parents say that religion is very important in their lives, but only 24% of their teenage children say the same. Overall, about half, that's 48%, of all surveyed teens say they have all the same religious beliefs of their parents. However, among the teens who said they hold different beliefs from their parents, only 34% said that their parents know this. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Ephesians 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, looking at... Someone who says the five best reasons not to believe in God, and so far three of them are not good reasons at all. Um, you know, along the idea of suffering, Eric in the chat room references Second Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Appreciate that, yeah, uh, Eric, good, and good, that help good with that perspective, in, yeah, certainly. Second Corinthians 4, 17 18, very good. Okay. Okay. So let me read this quickly because I think we've got to get this guy in his own words. And I'll do this as quickly as I can. He says, we don't need God. This isn't exactly an argument against the true, the truth of God, but it's a reason to stop worrying about him. We don't require God. He is an unnecessary addition to the universe and it can get along perfectly well without mm-hmm. him. The most, the most common two arguments for why we need God is as a personal savior or caretaker. And that without him and, and without religion, we would not know what is morally right or wrong. Let me start with the last first. Human morality is not brought into existence by God or the Bible. We do not require a commandment to tell us that killing is wrong, and we do not need the threat of eternal damnation to make us do what is right. To prove this, I need only point out that most Western states operate on the basis of a constitution and the rule of law and have nothing to do with religion or the Bible. Killing someone has legal consequences, and most noble people with a conscience regard it as wrong without the need for a cosmic force to tell them so. Oh, but I hear you say, surely these laws and rights have a biblical origin. Do you really believe that? Do you think that pre-religious societies had no taboos in regard to the preservation of life, property, and other things we hold dear? That a principle like do unto others would not naturally emerge from any group of sentient beings living in the same place? This is quite apart from the fact that many of the laws of the Bible are just wicked. We do, we have not, thankfully, and for the most part, transferred most of Leviticus and Deuteronomy into modern law. Those Islamic states who have and which enforce Sharia law are widely regarded as zones of horror by most sensible people. Then, do we need God as a personal Savior? Well, some might. The idea that God might provide comfort and an explanation for the mysteries of the universe. However, it's misleading to say he's needed. Many people survive and thrive perfectly well without a God concept or religion, myself being an example. We do not rampage or lose our way or become outcast. And so while certain individuals may derive comfort from their belief in God, as is their, as is their right, this is neither a necessary or sufficient condition for living a good life. Unbelievable. Well, again, I think this guy is not, not well read. He's, he's, for instance, when he argues that most Western states operate on the basis of constitution and rule of law that have nothing to do with religion or the Bible, uh, 
But he he doesn't. Know, uh, I guess he's in South Africa. He doesn't know the he doesn't know the history of the founding of the United States. The founders frequently referenced the Bible and God, and and was the basis of a lot of their considerations. So, uh, but again, I would I would go back farther than I go back farther than governments and societies. I'd go back to evolution. How come dogs? Bite and devour one another. Yeah. And human beings don't. Now, why is that? How did we get this? I mean, he can't explain that. Why, 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 why do some if, animals eat their young? Yeah. And why do we not? Uh, why do we think it's repulsive? Why do we think that it's immoral? Uh, you know, he can't explain that. There's no answer to that. We do need God. Because without God, we are nothing more than an animal. Yeah. And he says, do you think that pre-religious societies had no taboos in regard to the preservation? Actually, there are no there are no pre-religious societies. Uh, yeah. Religion has been around since the beginning. Remember Cain and Abel. Yeah. It was wrong to murder then. Yeah. And every society that has come from that has that underpinning yeah. and has brought those things with it. And so if they believe, yeah, and, and undoubtedly has been corrupted in many instances. Or, or even abandoned, but they're bringing those things yeah. with them. And so he says, it's so, well, it's just happened by evolution. We say, no, it happened by, because of God. Yeah. Chris in Atlanta says, I strongly disagree that a morality would have come about naturally. There is no humanistic advantage to being moral. To look at this from a brutal perspective, if I am stronger and healthier than you, then it is to my advantage to get rid of you and take what you have. We could eliminate all the sick that is costing society so much and have a wealthier society. Thanks be to God that he created our morality and we could take care of each other. How would this ingrained moral nature have come about without God? Without God, there is no reason for it. Uh, uh, well said, Chris. Just That's just exactly right and and cannot be answered. And I reference again our interview with Dan Barker from years ago. He couldn't answer that question. Yeah. He just didn't have an answer. You know, the best answer he had was, well, I take care of my elderly because when I get old, I want somebody to take care of me. That doesn't work. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't work. Uh Kent said, yes, we do need God. Try going without food, water, air, and all the physical necessities of life that he provides, and then take one, then take note of how long one would live. Uh, Kent, thank you for that. And it, you it know, is, that's an interesting point. Again, I'm sure that this blogger and, lot, and most atheists would deny it. Uh, but uh, in Second Peter 3, it says, verse 7, the heavens and the earth which now are by the same word are kept in store. In other words, it speaks of God maintaining our physical. We need God because the fact of the matter is, although that guy would surely deny it, we need God because he sustains the the physical universe. He keeps it operating. Yep. Uh, Here's what uh, Dwight says. Everyone needs God in their lives. No one will be saved without him in their lives. We can fool ourselves into believing what we want, but what we think does not matter it's what God has said and how we respond to him in his word. Uh, so Dwight says, yes, we need God in our lives. Yeah. All right. All right. Number five. All right. And real quickly, the last argument, he says these are the best arguments uh, to stop be- believing in God. Um, he says life is better without him. Religion, he says, is about control and limitation. Now, listen carefully to this. Religion is about control and limitation, rules, laws, and rituals that restrict and govern behavior. In some cases, say, uh, I'm not going to mention that, barbaric rites performed upon infant children uh, uh, actually persuade nice people to do awful things, which is to say nothing of the countless other horrors committed in the name of God and religion, suicide bombings, torture, genocide, forced marriages, unwanted babies, war. The list is endless. A life without religion, without God, thus offers freedom from all these miseries. It offers a person the opportunity to do what they like in line with their own moral code within the parameters (laughs) of the society in which they live. Each decision to be taken is evaluated on its own merits, weighing up the pros and cons, is not forced down a path by a pre-existing code of conduct dating from a time of ignorance and superstition. I am free. Notice, a life without religion, without God, offers freedom. A person has the opportunity to do what they like in line with their own moral code. Well, I like your house better than my house. Yep. 
And I don't see anything wrong with just coming and driving you off, maybe killing you if I have to, but I'm going to take what's yours. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. It doesn't bother my moral code. Yeah. Do you, do you, can you imagine the anarchy that would result if this guy's philosophy was pursued? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's brutally honest here. He likes the idea of no God because he no rules. gets to make the rules. No he rules. gets to do what he wants to do. Yeah. And that's the problem. Actually, human experience proves that what that guy is saying is false. People who live with no rules wreak ruin and havoc upon their lives. I mean, uh, this guy has not had, apparently, the kind of experiences that some of us have had, where we've had to go and pick drunks up out of the out of the ditch. Literally. I mean, we had a fellow we were trying to encourage to live right uh, a few years back, and he was he was an alcoholic, and uh, I I mean he was he he made some effort I think to overcome that, but he couldn't. And uh, I, I literally had to go one night and pick him up out of the ditch, raging drunk. His life is improved. Am I supposed to believe that his life was improved because he didn't have to buy, he didn't have to live by any kind of superficially imposed rules? That's just foolishness. Proverbs 14, verse 12 comes to mind. There's a way which seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, we're not uh, we're not capable of uh, of directing our own steps. We will make a mess of our lives. This guy is no doubt making a mess of his. Uh, I, I really like First Peter four verse eight. Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. Paul says it right there. My life is is enriched by virtue of living by absolutely. the principles of the Bible. Just take, for instance, the idea of, of marriage. My life is enriched when I follow the rules of being the kind of husband in marriage that God tells me to be. He didn't make those rules to be harsh upon me. He made those rules to protect me and yep. to make my life better. And my life is better when I live by those rules. Exactly. Here's what Chris says. Uh, the author just wants to live as he pleases without any personal responsibility. Also, he points to all the bad things committed in the name of religion. He fails to point out that atrocities that have been committed that were, was not in the name. There have been atrocities committed that were not in the name, not in the name of religion as well. So there's people that are doing atrocities in the name of religion. Hitler and Stalin didn't do what they did. In the name Mao Zedong didn't do what he did in the name of religion. And they killed millions upon millions of people. Here's what Chris says. He says, just because one does something and uses religion as an excuse, that is not reason to dismiss religion. And and and, and, and I would add to what Chris is saying, and I think he would agree, certainly there have been atrocities committed in the name of religion. But it's not the religion that God wants. No. Was, that, that's that's man's perversion. Yeah. He says that's the perfect definition of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Thank okay. you for that, Chris. And here's what Kent says. Kent says, uh, life is not better without God. Look at the results of atheism, agnosticism, postmodernism, and all forms of unbelief. The end results are mass confusion, crime, and an outright rejection of civility. Good, 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 good. And Dwight says, this life may be more fun and exciting for the person of the world. But what people need to remember and come to an understanding of is this life is temporary. Life is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow, Nothing, uh, according to James. Life for a Christian can't be better without God in their lives. If we think so, we're lying to ourselves. People of the world may think life is better without God because with God there's, there are too many restraints and that would, that they would not be at liberty to live as they desire. You know, I think it's, a, that's, it's a, an empty promise that this life would be better or more exciting and more fun without God, uh, but I think we talk, We would talk to folks who have gone down that road, and we'd see ultimately that this life was not more exciting and more fun in the end yeah. uh, by living any way that you please. Exactly right. So I hope that, I want to stress, we're just out of time, Jacob, but I want to stress one more time, this guy's got nothing. There's, there's nothing here, and, and I hope that, that anybody who would read after such foolishness would not be swayed by it. These are old arguments. They've been around forever. They're, I think Chris and Georgia said they're well-worn. They've been around. They've been voiced over and over and over again. Uh, they're easily answered. The, the proof about God and the great benefit of believing in God are very evident. And if, if anybody's troubled with any of these kind of thoughts, let us know. We'd be anxious to talk with you about that. The, the answers are available. And we would go back uh, to our uh, uh, 
uh, in our chat room, one of our guests, 824, I think it was, said he'd been through that process and would be glad to maybe get a chance to talk with them about that. Yes. Kyle, final thoughts from you tonight? Uh, which I think it doesn't take much to look around at the world we have living today to see that uh, the erosion of beliefs in God and the, the erosion of life without God in these people's lives, I think it's kind of where we're at in many ways around the world. We can look at and see it's this is the fruits of life without God. So this yeah. is, we need to focus on God. I think God is, and there's a place better than this world. So I think we need to make sure that we're, there are positives and God is, you know, the beacon of hope and light. So we make sure we're focusing on him and serving God. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kyle, thanks for helping us yeah, get it out tonight. Good. And, uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Enjoyed being with you. Thanks, Jacob. And we're glad that you joined us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. As you mentioned, any questions or comments, questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. We'd love to hear from you at any time. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.